Welcome to Next Steps, a podcast from Black Hawk Church in Madison, Wisconsin, where together we'll take next steps to grow in our relationship with Christ, to be formed into the kind of people He's created us to be, and to better love and serve those around us. Let's jump in. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Next Steps podcast. Uh, joining me today is my co-host, Pastor Chris Kopp, as well as Pastor Charles Yu. So, hey, you guys. Thanks for joining today. Absolutely. It's yeah. good to be back uh, back doing this with you guys. Yeah. Very excited to be here. Good. Well, today we are dropping a surprise podcast episode that I think you guys are going to really enjoy. Uh, we decided just a couple uh, weeks ago just to squeak in one last episode on the Live This Book series that we just finished up. Um, if you didn't catch it, Sunday, June 11th, Charles and I did a little wrap-up of the series, uh, just kind of going over the story as a whole. So if you didn't catch that, you can um, head to our website and watch that before listening to this episode. Um, but today we're just going to do a little Q&R time. So about the series as a whole, as well as some specific questions that we have gotten from community groups. And so if you guys are good with it, let's just... Jump yeah, on in. We're going to do nine months worth of, worth of questions in the next <laughs> totally. 30 minutes in or 30 so. 30 minutes or It'll so. be great. Yeah, we'll just get the conversation started at That's least. Right. Yeah. Yep. Good. All right. Well, Charles, um, like we've said, you're the person who sort of um, laid out or designed the Live This Book series for our church this year. So I, we were joking, you fit a lot of content into nine months of sermon series. So obviously you couldn't cover everything, right? You're trying to just kind of hit the highlights. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so good job, first of all. Um, and second, just wondering, um, were there any, was there anything that you couldn't fit in that you really wish that you could, or is there anything as you look back over the series, you're like, oh, I would have adjusted this or that. Um, yeah. along the way. There, there, obviously you can't put everything in. That's, right. that's the, that's the reality that we were constantly struggling. Like, oh, we got to cut this. Oh, how are we going to fit that in? I mean, uh, I would have wanted, I mean, we actually, the, the, the one, the last one to cut was a sermon on the temple. If you guys remember, the, the idea of setting up um, this idea of God wanting to be with us. The temple is the place where God is with us. Mm-hmm. And then that really helps us understand who Jesus is. But I think we got that idea across pretty well without having a sermon on that. But looking back from one of the very you know, first ones that we just, we just, we knew we couldn't do because we spent a lot of time in the early part of Genesis already. We couldn't do um, the flood and, and, and mm-hmm. of course, uh, Tower of Babel. Uh, both of those, those deal with um, sh- not individual sins, but really systemic structural sins. Um, the flood story is about human beings and their sin um, expanding to, the, to such a degree that it was corrupting creation itself. And that's like, wow, that's, that's a huge topic that we couldn't get to. But if you start looking at our world today, we're like, wow, this is actually extremely relevant and on point in our world today. Mm-hmm. So um, that one, we didn't get a chance to get to. And then the um, Tower of Babel one is, of course, another societal rebellion against God. This time it's about using God for the purpose of empire, using God for, for the purpose of the, of the of the human society, uh, basically co-opting the religious impulse to justify, hey, look at us, we're wonderful, you know, we, you know, God bless us, mm-hmm. you know, that that whole thing. And so we 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 didn't get a chance to do, do those two, but um, we have a, 
We'll have to do it again next As time. As a future, uh, future sermon series, yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was so hard. I mean, not only, yeah, we obviously skipped over major passages and major themes, but even within the, the talks that we did give, like, I mean, you've got like creation, like trying to cover all of the things that could possibly be, even within each message, it was just hard to possibly cover everything that could could come up but um but yeah you guys did a great job with uh with piecing that together in a way that that told the whole story it was really great i mean in theory you can do like four or five sermons on genesis one itself oh yeah i think that's really the the challenge that we have like i think we managed to do two but yeah it's so much just so much material there so much more yeah were there any sections um so i don't know if um people who are listening know this but uh when you teach right you do often get questions or comments or different things like that so were there any sermons that you preached or even messages that others preached that you heard like an unusual amount of feedback on or people had particular questions on where do you think um what sermons do you think kind of hit hit our community in interesting ways that's a good question um so there's a couple sermons that comes to mind that really um, were striking. One was the uh, um, the Ten Commandments talk. Um, I think we got a lot of feedback. I think there's a lot of understanding of Ten Commandments as kind of God's universal law. And so to actually go go away from that understanding and move toward a Ten Commandments meant to shape the culture of the people of God as a way to accomplish the mission was really striking and also a little bit uh, like, I don't think unnerving is the word, but it was definitely Oh, no, uncomfort- maybe unnerving. <laughs> that could be the word, I think so. It's uncomfortable, yeah. right? Yeah, because, yeah. because the Ten Commandments is so much part of our political discourse today. And people are always talking about, oh, you know, hey, we should follow the Ten Commandments. And and so to have a, to have a you know, to read it within the story of the Bible and realize, oh, it doesn't function as God's universal ethics, but really functions as very particular to the covenant people of God, which today is just the church, the Ten Commandments just for the church. That's kind of different. Um, it wasn't pushback, but it was definitely like, oh, I've never heard this before. What am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Kind, of, kind of like a, a paradigm shift kind of moment. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it set up so much of the rest of what was to come in the series, though, about how God is trying to create this people and then this church that would be empowered to live out his mission and all of those kinds of things. Um, yeah, so much of that, the, this culture of who he, of the people that he was trying to create really, yeah, set up so much of what we ended up talking about that I think was um, definitely a paradigm shift for for me in a lot of ways and, and for a lot of our people. So it was super helpful. That's good. Any others? Or is that pretty much the Yeah, I think that one, I got a lot of feedback on the uh, the prayer talk. Oh um, yeah, for Abraham, That's uh, the kind of the, the partnership prayer. I think uh, once again, there are people who were people who were really excited about the category because they th- didn't have a category before, and but they know, but they know it. They they've mm-hmm. done that kind of prayer they've before with God. They experienced it, it. Yeah. and then for others, it's like, oh wow, it just opens my prayer life to a different level, different kind of way of relating to God. Yeah. Um, and I, and that was for me too. I mean, I, I've I've taught to God this way, but in studying that passage and realizing what Abraham was actually trying to do was kind of shocking. Like, oh, you can do that with God. And not only that, that's what God wants. He wants you to question. He wants you to challenge him because he wants you to ultimately own this mission and own this kingdom. Because like, yeah, you're, you're, you're the heirs. I mean, the, the Bible keeps telling us called we're, we're co-heirs with Christ. What does that mean? Well, heirs means we're receiving something, right? It's like, it's like a, the whole idea of, of, you know, somebody dies, they pass on this incredible piece of land, this, this incredible, incredible company, this incredible institution, and they're giving it to us. Mm. We're heirs. 
And so we need to own it, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. So, Tiff, what about you? Even I'm putting you on the spot here, but like on a personal level, were there any weeks or themes or things like that that stood out to you or just had an impact on you? Yeah, thanks, Chris. This, yeah, I do. I mean, that partnership prayer um, message was really... Yeah. I mean, it's the one thing that I think really stuck with me. It's something I think about on a regular basis. And I, Charles, I think that's what I identify with is, of course, this is like something I've experienced um, with God over the years, but especially in the season, right? I think we just go through different seasons. And this is the season I think God and I are in where um, I'm experiencing that like invitation to partnership on a very regular daily basis and being able to kind of move with God in my prayer life in that way. And I found it so energizing, right? Mm. I think there's there's maybe seasons of my life and maybe other people's where prayer seems hard or boring or kind of like, I don't really know, Lord, are you there? Like, this feels dumb, you know, whatever. We, we just go through dry seasons, but it's just been a really rich season of prayer in this particular way. And so I've, um, yeah, it's, yeah, so it's been cool. It's been a, it's been a cool way to experience this, no, that's fantastic. this series. No, I, I think the, I think it taps into this underlying once again, kind of a cultural, Christian cultural understanding of humans. Are, and wh- where exactly are we relationship to God? And I think that's the, because you can definitely find those passages, you know, like, you know, I'm a worm, you know, like God is so big, we're so small, and we're so puny. And it's like, we're weak, and we're helpless, right? But but the Bible captures this just incredible dichotomy, this, this almost almost a paradox where Psalm 8 says, you know, God's, and David's like, why do you look on us? We're, we're weak, we're nothing. But you're making us a little lower than God. And that's the part that we frequently forget. Mm. We, we look at the low part. We look at how mm. fragile we are. Like, oh, we can die with a little virus that kills us off. You know, and look how weak we're. Look how we've broken we are. Look at the world we created, how messy it is. And then we, we look at those passages in the Bible, and it just confirms, oh, God's big, we're small, we're tiny and puny. God does what he wants, and we just kind of survive and get by. Mm. And hey, God saves us. And then you look at the story of the Bible and you see like, wait a minute, there's these incredible passages of image of God, which once again, means child of God, means being God-like, right? That that incredible high level of calling that we've been given. Um, No, it's not that we earn, it's not that we actually have that, but it's the grace of God to give us um, this incredible high calling that we need to then embrace it because otherwise we're not living out who we're supposed to live out. Mm. Yeah. It's quite empowering. I mean, you think about the empowered, even the series empowered church, right? That section, I feel like once we get that, like really understand it, Mm -hmm. I think there's a way to like live in that humility and at the same time be empowered to, to do what God asks us to do, to be obedient to him, you know, in a way that, feels exciting and it feels purposeful and yeah. feels like you're really are connected um, yeah. to God. So Yeah. There was that, that other Sunday. I think you guys hit on it in um, your wrap-up message a little bit ago. Um, also related to prayer, right, where Chris uh, was talking about, was it the humanity of Jesus mm-hmm. and had everyone come yes. forward to pray? Man, I just look back on that um, and just see, I mean, one, it was powerful for, for me, but also... Um, yeah, I, I think it just changed something in our congregation. It, coming forward to pray, even in the service, is something pretty different than what we normally do at Blackhawk Riot. We were talking about it the week leading up to it. I'm like, no idea if anyone's going to 
come forward or not. <laughs> but then to see all of these people um, come forward and to get to pray with them and all just, it was like a can of just stuff opened up and people being authentic and vulnerable that I think has continued um, in a lot of ways. People being real and honest with each other in a just different kind of way um, and loving and caring for, for people and, and showing, yeah, kind of the humanity and the love of Christ in that way was really powerful. Um, but we've actually, we got a question about the humanity of Jesus, right? We're kind of hmm. by, by segue yep. here. See okay. what I did there? That's so good. Wow. Wow. So here's the question. Um, so yeah, that was around March. We talked about Jesus as king and Jesus as God and man. So I think Chris's message on humanity was part of that. So, so we understood that Jesus wasn't a hybrid, right? Um, but there were numerous times where we kind of questioned, like, did he act out of his divinity and not his humanity or the other way around or both at the same time? Like, how does all of that work basically. Um, so yeah, we got some questions about this scripture. Uh, maybe it doesn't give a rationale or reasoning, reasoning. Um, but yeah, what, what do we think is going on there? Like, did Jesus like, really, did he need to learn carpentry? Like, shouldn't he already know everything about <laughs> it? Right. Or did he really go his whole childhood as a human without messing anything up? Like, Ooh, like as a parent of kids, like that's hard to believe. <laughs> was he potty trained the moment he was born? Yeah, right. <laughs> did he learn to talk or did he just come just, out speaking? Could he speak any yeah, language? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a great question. And, and, and theologians have thought about this, obviously. Um, the idea of talking about Jesus' human nature and divine nature. Um, so this is where we get we do get into some Greek metaphysics because... The first people to explore this were the Greek, were the kind of the the Greek uh, Christians, the Christians who were who were interested in, the, in this kind of philosophy, and they were very um, adamant that Jesus is both fully God, fully human. Um, but then you had to explain this. Well, how can a, a, a person who's fully God be also be a baby, right? And and so this is where the the, the, the Greek word is kenosis, the, um, but it draws from the Philippians passage where where Jesus empties himself. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to empty himself? And so the idea is that he doesn't change his nature, but he um, really stripped himself of certain attributes of God, like uh, omnipotence, the ability to speak any language. I mean, he actually then restricted himself. I would say before he was he become incarnate, incarnate, he restricted his own abilities so that he is not just you know, hey, I'm I'm God. I'm the moment I'm born, I'm God. Um, but he grew as a human being. And there's this gradual growth and gradual self-awareness, which is kind of like people like shocking, like, yeah, Jesus is a two-year-old. Did he know that he's God? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe not, yeah. which is like, that's, a, that's an interesting totally, question, yeah, right? It's an interesting question. question. What was he doing yeah. as, as, a, as a three months old? Did he mm-hmm. knew that in the womb? And I think the question is actually, yeah, with the, the argument for kenosis is that he has the nature, but not the attributes. Mm. And that those, those limitations on his attributes mm-hmm. carried on th- until his uh, resurrection and then ascension. And so there is a discussion of the, of the relationship between the Father and the Son within the, um, within the time of the incarnation, within the time of him being on earth versus eternal in heaven before and after, uh, that there is a different kind of relationship. Interesting. If somebody wanted to learn more about this, do you have any resources that you would recommend? If not, we can, or maybe we can just put something in the show notes if we think yeah. about something. Okay. Because I think that's an interesting, yeah, 
Well, yeah, just if people are following along, that's Philippians 2, right? Where uh, Jesus doesn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he, I think different translations either say he emptied himself, that's that word kenosis, or he made himself nothing, I think the NIV says, Mm -hmm. and takes the form of a servant. So yeah, if you're following along and wondering where that passage comes from, um, Philippians 2, that's what you're talking about right there. Good. Um, okay, so another question is more of like in the section of like how we live today, like the kind of the so what. Um, so this person asks, so the culmination um, of this whole series is knowing and imaging God here on earth uh, when Christ returns and creates heaven on earth. Um, so does that, and she says, so to, sem- to demonstrate our loyalty, should we be trying to create a heaven on earth today within our spheres of influence? How does loyalty to God manifest itself today in this world of competing forces of family, church, work, recreation, social, and self? Wow. So I, yeah. So I just think in general, wow. that's a big question, but yeah. in general, how, how are we trying to create well, a heaven on earth now? It's so not just as a great question. It's mm-hmm. not just as a big question, but it's such a great question. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely the question that I, I want us to be wrestling with from the series. You're supposed to wrestle with this question, which is now we read the story. Now that we know that we're continuing the story, what exactly are we doing? What is our goal? Mm-hmm. Right? So, so I would say this, I mean, there's, there's, I want to start individually. There's elements of this that are individual, and we started this with the, uh, the, 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 the summer camp series, right? What is the individual goal of a Christ follower? Well, a deep relationship with God, and then to live out his character and be transformed to live out his character. That's, that, those two things are for the individual. But I think the best way to think about what we're trying to do as a community is to think, okay, Jesus is going to return one day and create heaven on earth. What we are, the church, is a future community brought into the present. Okay? How, we would to, how we were to live in this, okay, just imagine heaven. Imagine Jesus is king and we're all there worshiping him and loving on each other and, and living out, imaging God. That community, now let's bring it forward. I don't know how many years. A year, 10,000 years, I don't know. We bring it to 21st century Madison and we're here. Which means whatever we touch is broken and we interact with this broken community. What we want is people to look at our community and look the way we influence the world around us and go, whoa, there's the future kingdom of God. We, we serve, our, our primary goal is to serve as an alternative to this broken world. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, because we, I don't think we'll be able to, able to take over this world politically and run it in a way that's kingdom, mm-hmm. heaven. It's not going to happen mm-hmm. it's because it's broken. It's, it's fundamentally broken, broken yeah. right? The powers of this world is run by violence. It's run by compulsion, right? It's, it's just how, that's how power is exercised in our world. Jesus does not exercise that kind of power. He exercises the power of self-sacrifice. And, and all of us are drawn to that. And we, so we have this community that works off that where everybody's serving each other and loving each other. And people are going to look at that and they go, oh, wow. I'm going to choose that versus choosing this world. We are an alternative to the community around us. It doesn't mean we don't intersect. It doesn't mean we don't interact. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean we don't try to influence our world. We do. Mm-hmm. But always knowing that there is this other greater goal, mm-hmm. which is to be present, to show the world what God really has in mind. Mm. There's another series for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, whoever asked this question, man, good, good, good work. Because I feel like, yeah, this is one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot 
too. So yeah, you just really put your thumb on something good to wrestle with of what that looks like. Because I think a lot of us left that message or a couple of those messages like, oh, yeah, what? So I'm hearing it's not necessarily through politics or power, but then, yeah, so what does that look like? Um, And that was helpful what you just said there. But you also, was it you that had the message on, man, part of the way of Jesus is suffering and we don't like to to think about that right but that's also how the gospel often advances and how god works in the world well if you're if you're a community that's revealing god's character as an an alternative to the social world out there well this this that our culture isn't necessarily happy with you with you right you you're, you're providing an alternative to the political arguments along the entire spectrum left and right red and blue i mean everybody's like oh look at you guys you guys are you're not part of us. You're different. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout church history, that has not worked out well for the, for the church mm-hmm. in various mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's part of the mission, part of the calling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's no triumph and conquest uh, in, in, the, in the Jesus story. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And yeah. It's, so I think the challenging part is like, that is our world. And so how do we interact in those systems, I think yeah. is the challenge. It, the, the, the challenging part. And even that's where I think partnership prayer comes in, right? Of like, Lord, okay, here we are again today. What are we going to do? How, how do I, how do I live right. today yeah. in this system? And, um, and, and I think that the challenging part of that, and it, not just with God, but also with other, with each other, yeah. the idea of the community being part of the church becomes critical. You can't do this by yourself. Mm-hmm. And what's happening a lot is now is that people are like, okay, I'm reading the Bible and I'm getting this idea. Other people are like, I'm reading the Bible, getting this idea. Let's come together and talk. Because you, you don't have it. No, you don't have it either. Nobody mm-hmm. has it. We're all like, mm-hmm. okay, we need to figure this out together because the Bible was never written to tell you how to live in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. It's giving you, here's a storyline, right? The story up to... To that, when, you know, first century, and then we know the ending. How do we live as a proper trajectory? And oh my goodness, you're gonna have people with a lot of dis- dis- disagreements about how to do this. But we do it with humility. We do it with love. We do it in pursuing dialogue and conversation with each other. I, 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 what's what's so painful about what's happening today is we are so divided because mm-hmm. we all feel like we got the truth. We got the corner on truth. Yeah. We got it figured out. So therefore, you're wrong. You know, if you disagree with me, you don't. You rejected Jesus. You're this. You're that. Mm-hmm. Rather than, we got a dialogue, mm-hmm. and we got to have conversations. And here's why we believe what we believe. Here's why you believe what you believe. This is great. Let's let's work together on this. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of I think Ben Knox did the sermon on, did he on Jesus is King? Maybe yeah. yeah. And right where he talked about ultimately our allegiance as Christ followers is to Jesus. Um, And so that kind of is interesting as we come together with different ideas and different opinions and different ways of seeing things, right, left, any, you know, um, but how do we maybe like holding that like ultimately as we gather our allegiance is to Jesus and not to the left and not to the right and not to this person or that person, right? And and so maybe that's even an, another way of of kind of framing our conversations. Yeah. Um that could be, I don't know, helpful. So that reminds me, yeah, Ben did a great job with yeah. that message. Yeah. 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 Good. Okay, um, another question uh for you. This is a little bit um little bit unrelated, but um, one person, a couple of people had asked um, about overseas missions. They were in particular surprised, maybe that didn't come up at all. Um, and I think it was maybe assumed, but 
talk us to, talk to us about that. How does um, how does overseas missions fit into the story uh, of God? It's uh, a good question. Um, so, without a doubt, um, cross cultural. Uh, missions was implied and, in fact, explicit, right? Go into all the world, right? And then in, 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 in Jesus' command in, in, the Greek, uh, in, in Matthew 28. And then in, in the book of Acts, the idea of, hey, moving from uh, Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria all to the ends of the earth, right? So this idea of the moving across uh, was, was part of the command. And so people have done so throughout history. Um, the idea of Cross-cultural missions was very important in church history for for the long for a long time for a long time and 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 continues to be so. Um, there's something about um, recognizing the the cultural differences, the cultural barriers that we have to move across, and so. Now here's what's interesting now, and this is okay. This is where okay. Let, let me just I'll just open it up. Here, here it goes. Um, this was really big in America for a long time. Um, you know, 19th, 19th century, early part of 20th century. Uh, previously, England was a great missionary missionary kingdom country. Now the United States was for for a while. Um, right now, one of the things we don't talk about too much yet, and we need to talk about soon, is that um, the churches that are booming are in Africa and South America and Asia. Um, churches in America in the West are stagnating or declining. So if you're talking about cross-cultural mission, it's actually happening the other way around. <laughs> um, so there are, there are people who are sending a lot of missionaries to America. Uh, Brazilians, Koreans, um, uh, you know, different countries are sending missionaries to America because this is now a right mission field. And you think, wait, 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 what, 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 what? Okay, but that's literally what's happening. It's, it's the churches are booming. The, the number of people who are, who are Christ followers in those other continents are increasing in a mass, mass rate. They mm -hmm. already over, outnumber uh, Western Christians. Um, one of the one of the most amazing thing that people don't talk about is when we have immigrants coming to the country, they're actually bringing Christianity in, and they're reviving revitalizing the church in America yeah. as a result. It's just mm -hmm. one of the facts that's happening mm -hmm. that people don't think about and don't talk about very much. Um, so, yeah, I think a a, a sermon on missions overseas um, is important. We um, we felt like at this point um, we didn't talk about it because right now what we need is missions to our city. Mm. Um, we missions to our neighborhood. Um, Madison is a, I wouldn't say it's unreached, but it is a heavily secular city. Mm -hmm. um, and we have to cross culture to reach the people around us. And we need to know how to do that and do that well and actually see it and not see that, oh yeah, America's all done, let's go overseas. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think <laughs> that's the shift that's happening in the past few decades. Yeah. Um, and, and we need to see that. That's good. Yeah, especially living, right? I mean, I think Madison is considered a post-Christian city, right? Mm -hmm. So um, where Christianity has kind of come and people are no, I think, you know, one of the ways that I've heard it defined is that, you know, and pe people can um, be born here in America and have never heard yeah. the gospel or, or Christianity hasn't been a part of their upbringing. Um, and so where before it's kind of like, oh, everybody kind of had the foundation of, yeah, 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 I went to church, my grandma went to church. I, you know, I, I know, I know about that, but I, right. you know, um, and so I think that it's a. Yeah, we're a generation away from people who used to learn Bible in the schools. I mean, that generation has gone. Yeah. 
right? So I grew up without reading about reading the Bible in the schools, and now we have a, the next coming generations, and nobody has that anymore. So it's a it's a different world we're living in, yeah. in which I think um, an emphasis on overseas mission for us would be like, okay, actually, we have neighbors mm. that we need to talk to, and we need to figure out how to talk to them. We need to really, in a way, do what missiologists do, mm. which is study a culture and understand it, and then go, how do I reach my neighbors? Um, and I would say, Madison, we need to understand Madison, mm. uh, understand it much better and know how to talk to Madison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. All right. So with our remaining time. Should we go for it? Should we do the hard question? <laughs> we should do the hard right. question, Chris. <laughs> go for it. Um, so there were a lot of related questions. So we'll just kind of talk around what this looks like. But um, yeah, so related to, to heaven and hell. Tiffany, what, I, you said this earlier um, in a different conversation before we pressed record. But how mu- what percent of questions do you think revolved around heaven and hell? 90%. 90%. 90%. And some people may say, well, that was the most recent you know, thing we talked about. So, okay, totally. Absolutely. But also... There's a lot of questions, right? Because yeah. it doesn't happen yet. There's and uh, so mm-hmm. um, and deep curiosity. Yeah, yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah, it's a yeah. mystery. And right. and sometimes it's 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 the emotional questions right, too, right? It's right. like yep. So I think ones, we have yeah emotional yeah. ties to some of the answers, and so yeah. that, that's yeah. what makes it hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So, um, so this first question. Uh, Basically revolves around like, so we've been teaching that human beings are eternal, that believers go to heaven for eternity and non-believers, while there's a judgment and they experience hell or separation from God or kind of, you know, what, um, whatever someone might believe about what hell looks like. And there's different things you could could uh, believe to approach that topic. But so, but how do we know that is basically the question. How do we know that like non-believers when they're gone, they're just no more. They're not eternal. Like we see this a lot in our own culture, right? Even um, the good place, the, hopefully this isn't a spoiler alert. If you're going to watch it, you watched it by now, but it pause ends. It, pause this uh, if yeah. you haven't finished yeah. it yet. Pause, <laughs> skip forward like 20 seconds, but it ends basically with them choosing to be annihilated and ceasing to exist. Uh, and that's what they wanted to, to do. That's like the pinnacle of the show. Um, so how do we know that that's not what happens to non-believers? How can we explain that humans are eternal creatures what would we say about that? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, this is, I mean, look, first of all, we're very curious about this topic. That's not surprising at all. Uh, a curious and also we have loved ones, you know, who, who, who are like, what, what's happening to them? What, what will happen later? Um, so I, th- I think the, the, the wonderful thing about um, the Bible is that it gives us the hope of the, the future, future resurrection. But I think this is where there's tragedy woven into this. Right? There's tragedy yeah. woven into the story of the Bible. And, and once you read the story of the Bible, you realize hell's an inevitability. There, because there's rebellion, there's going to be some people who don't want God. So what do you do with that? What happens to them? So I think that's what the question is. Like we have, if you have a loved one who's a Christ follower, okay, great, you'll see them in heaven, awesome. But you have a loved one who's not, and you know they're not. And you, and you can, like, you know, there, we can, however much doubt you, you want to you inject into this, oh, we don't really know, we don't truly know. But some of you, you know. You're like, oh, I have this person I care about deeply. They hated God. They hated Christianity. They did not. They, I know they're not. Then there's tragedy that, that's just written and woven into the story of the Bible. Um, and there's loss. And so one of the first things you start with is however much you love this person, God loves them more. 
And so I think that's a starting point. This is where we we looked at the passage where God says, "I do not, I do not desire any person、mm-hmm. to perish. I want everyone to be with me." God's the Father; He's the one who created them and loves them deeply. And so, if you start with that starting point, I think that might help answer any questions you have. Which is, God starts off being on our side, on the human side. He wants us to be with Him, and He'll make make it possible any way possible. He's not like trying to create barriers. Okay, so you got to know where he's coming from.、Mm-hmm. Okay, now that we start with him, then we realize. Then you know, I think for many of us, like, okay, the hell then is、um, a respect for human choice. Right. So if humans like, I really don't want to be with God. Where will they go? Right. So that's the question that people have, and I think that's been answered well by Pastor Kristen's talk, which、mm-hmm. is, and and I mentioned the, the week after, which is, yeah, you have a choice, and you don't want to be there. You express it through your life, and God's like, I'm going to respect you on that. And and my argument has always been, God is just and loving, which means no one will walk away from the judgment seat feeling like God's been unfair. No one will say, oh, God was unfair.、Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. So we know that for certain. I think the question that, that that's 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 hard for us now is. Okay, so let's get. They go to hell. They suffer some time for some punishment. Do they have to do this eternally? Does that does that, that sounds really cruel? That sounds really unfair. What if they just cease to exist? Wouldn't that be better? Okay. Now, first of all, okay, we're getting into some pretty narrow bits of scripture. We,、yeah. There's actually a handful of scripture, and you can find them pretty easily. And I would even just recommend a, a, a book. It's, it's a it's a book called The Four Views on Hell. If you just type in "hell for views" and one of the more recent ones, you know, sh- and they will actually go through all the relevant te- uh, te- uh,、um, uh, texts, and they will present the various views. Now,、um, our church, Blackout Church, we're part of the Evangelical Free Church. We affirm that people who reject God, they they will not be annihilated. They will exist forever in a state of rebellion.、Uh, but there are others who are part of the Christian tradition. They don't. Believe that, and they argue for annihilation, and so you can find those ex- explanations in 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 the book Four Views on Hell. And let me just say, hey,、um, if you like,、oh, I really believe in annihilation. If like somebody came up to me after the,、mm. the, the talk and asked me that, it was the week after Chris's talk, and they like, like, what? I really believe in annihilation. What do I do? And I go, well, hey, I love you being here at Blackout Church. You're welcome here at Blackout Church. We love you being here. This is not one of those issues. Like, oh, you have to agree with us to be here in this community. Absolutely, absolutely not. And there are people, uh, uh, very good Bible believing Christ followers who believe who believe other ways.、Um, so yeah. So just have, having said that.、Um, There are some passages in the Bible that most straightforwardly reads for the continued existence of those who who are in hell, and also the argument for. I mean, I think this is the argument that that, that Chris presented in the sermon, which is, yeah, we're creating the image of God. God's eternal. Is this one of the one of the elements that's part of imaging Him? We're of the same type of material. We're spirit,、um, and I think that's a, it's a. I think it's a powerful argument for us to be His son and daughter. We have to be of the same type, and if God is eternal, then so are we.、Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things where, like, oh yeah, okay. I、mm-hmm. mean, am I open to being wrong? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's helpful. Maybe a related question that we also got, just to kind of piggyback off of that.、Um, so, if if non-believers too are indeed eternal. Um, the question is: Do people have a second chance to align themselves with Jesus and God's mission? Like, if someone's to exist for eternity, it's hard to imagine them being like, 
yeah, this was a bad decision. You know what? I want I want the other thing and to, to change their mind. Um, so do we see in scripture where there's a possibility of that happening or is their fate sealed? Oh, good question. Okay, so there's no mention of post-death, um, post-Jesus, post-death um, um, uh, repentance. Uh, there is the passages that have been read as Jesus in going to the among the dead and then preaching and bringing people out, but that's before the before Jesus' death, post Jesus' yeah. death, there's no mention of that. Um, it's it's not unknown. This is a lot, within a Christian tradition. There's been the idea of post death repentance, um, and for and for, once again, I come back to God's on our side, yeah. right? And God is just and loving, so nobody's going to walk away from the judgment seat going God's been unfair. So I don't know whether that's possible. My okay, this is where okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just gonna. This is my view. Okay, mm-hmm. this is not biblical. It's not authoritative. It's anything like that. Just like my view is, even if it's possible, you won't see it. Mm-hmm. It's not the problem. It's not with God. The problem is with humans. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think I think people who think that I think Rob Bell came out with a book called Love Wins. A few, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how many ten years ago. Yeah, probably. And he was talking. This was his thesis, which is there is going to be post death post death repentance possibilities, and and. I look at that and I go, wow, he has a high view of humans. Yeah. He, his view of humanity is too strong. I think, I think hum, one of the things I've noticed about as we grow older is that, I mean, okay, so start, start from the babies. We start off as babies. We look different, yes, but we're all remarkably similar, mm-hmm. right? And we differentiate and we differentiate and we become more and more ourselves so that by the time I'm in my 50s, there's no one in the history of the universe who's ever been like me or even close to being like me. Which is wild, right? It's an amazing thought. Mm-hmm. And that's going to continue as I age. And one of the things that's amazing about that is then we become more and more ourselves, mm. either in the image of God or image of me or the world, mm. right? So that becomes more and more hard imprinted on us. Mm. And my speculation is that Post-death, after post-death re- resurrection, the people who are against God, they will not want to go to heaven, period. Mm. And they will not repent. Mm. Even if God offers it, they will not want it. Yeah. Um, and, and if you ask them whether they would prefer to be annihilated, they would probably say no. Mm. Right? See, we're, in, we're, we're speculating how they yeah. would prefer annihilation. They probably would not want to be annihilated. Like, no, no, I want to live. Mm. I don't want to disappear. I want to live and rage against God. For the rest of my life, for the rest of eternity, yeah, and that's that's a different view of hum- humanity uh, than a lot, a lot of people have. But I think we're very broken, and mm. it's the grace of God. Mm. So to bring to mm. bring us along, that's mm. good. That's good. Well, you guys, um, maybe we'll maybe we'll wrap up there. I think that might be good. Kind There's so down, many more questions. I know. Too. End, right? Okay, but actually one, one, one more question, one more question. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, but we'll, we'll leave heaven and hell there. So um, I know that there's a lot more questions, but, but, but that four views book, honestly, would be fantastic. You know, I think almost all the questions that community groups had submitted um, could be kind of talked about in those books. So highly recommend if that's something that you really um, want to learn more about. Okay, so as we wrap up, uh, Chris, you actually asked me this question. I'd love to ask the both of you. Um, what What is one thing um, that stuck out to both of you um, from the series? And maybe you've already shared it. So, um, but how personally in your personal lives, how how has God used this series to um, to shape you or 
um, to grow you this year? Yeah, I um, I think this is my second time with Black Hawk doing something like this. So back in 2012, we did Eat This Book, which was kind of the first venture into this, which was um, fantastic. I wasn't here for the second one. Um, love this book, right? Um, but every time I've done this, uh, so after these last nine months, just seeing again the story of scripture woven together, uh, it's just such a helpful reminder at this time especially of yeah, of what's true in the story that God is working out in the world and that I get to be a part of rather than seeing like bits and pieces and, you know, I do my quiet time and um, in Leviticus or whatever it is, um, you, know, you can get so latched onto those things. But being able to even now read scripture, being reminded of that overarching story and how it all fits together, um, I think it's just been huge. I don't know that I can communicate like tangible ways that that has changed or affected things other than like, I don't know, I think we can just so easily or I'll speak for I'll speak personally, I can get so easily kind of tangled up and just kind of things that, you know, you grow up in Christian culture that like are important and um, seem like they're what you're supposed to do as a Christian and that kind of thing. Um, but again, taking a step back and just being reminded over and over again that we are to image God, we're to be his people, we've been empowered as a church to live out this kind of community for him, all those kinds of things. It was just a really great reminder of like, let's let the main things be the main things, a reminder of what's most important and some of that other kind of cultural stuff that we've added on along the way. Um, you know what, that can, that can slip to the wayside, but I'm going to live in the midst of this story and, and, um, and yeah, try to recenter myself on that. So, sorry, that was a little bit, uh, metaphysical or no, that's not the right word. It was a little bit philosophical or something like that, but, um, yeah, can't quite communicate how it's been, been important, but just, yeah, recentering on that story that everything flows out of that has been huge for me. What about Mm -hmm. you, Charles? Uh, it's a good question. I, okay. So this, this. Learning this changed my life, but this was back in seminary days, 1994. Yeah. Biblical theology with Bruce Welke and Gordon Fee, and we're just looking at the whole storyline. I was like, wow. And then I had a, the opportunity to TA for Bruce Welke for a number of years, and I helped to co-author the book on Old Testament theology. So this has kind of been the driving kind of force in my life yeah. for a long time. But I recognized or realized something recently uh, about the alternatives to reading the Bible as a story. And it kind of, it finally hit me of late, like, oh, if you read, okay, this is really, it really gets down to how you read the Bible. Especially, what do you do with the Old Testament, right? Because for the longest time, people ignore the Old Testament. New Testament, Jesus came and died for us. We're saved. We go to heaven. Yay. What do you do with the Old Testament? Well, one way is to find a theological format that actually ignores it. Um, and I know if you, <laughs> so if you guys, if you guys are familiar, some of you may not be familiar with the idea of dispensationalism. This is an actual um, biblical way of reading that says the Old Testament is irrelevant. Don't worry about it. Okay, if you want to do a deep dive, uh, check out the uh, the rise and fall of dispensationalism by Dan Hummel. Book just came out, but I pitched that. Wait, is the premill dispensationalism? Shoot, I forgot. No, it's dispensationalism. Right, there we yeah. go. Great. So read that book. You'll find out what that's been about. That's kind of a big thing that happened in the 19th century and early part of the mid part of the 20th century in America that pretty much said, ignore the Old Testament. It doesn't apply to you. Because that's one way to read the Bible, right? read the Old Testament. The other way is to go, well, there it is, the Old Testament. I guess, I guess we need to follow this. So we, we you know, look at the Ten Commandments. We need to follow that. We look at all the rules. We need to follow that. And so there's just kind of this tension. What do you do with the Old Testament? And, it, and so it dawned on me, like, okay, if you don't read the Bible as a story, 
it gets really confusing. Because yeah. mm. do I apply the Old Testament? How can we apply some of them, not others? That's the question you get all the time. Mm-hmm. And now you realize, no, 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 no. The whole thing is one big story. Therefore, those rules were given to ancient Israelites as part of the story. Does it apply to you? Well, it depends. How the, how the story plays out, yeah. right? It's like, oh, okay, well, this is, there's a narrative logic here, yeah. right? Versus people are just grabbing pieces out of the Bible and willy-nilly all over the place from mm-hmm. all bit, parts of the story and start trying to live it out. It's like, whoa, this doesn't make any sense. So I'm realizing not merely how much sense reading the Bible as a story makes for the whole Bible, but the alternatives are deeply problematic. And so that's like, mm-hmm. uh, that hit me very recently. I'm like, oh, either ignore it or you try to apply it. If you ignore it, dispensationalism, Old Testament is gone, and New Testament you read it any way you want, or you end up with some kind of Christian nationalism that says, hey, is, laws for Israel, we've got to put it into America. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of the options. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, shoot. <laughs> now, those are not all the options. Here's the third way. I don't want to put in those, those two yeah, categories only. Yeah, yeah. But reading it as a story changes yeah. it. Mm. And so that's been kind of a, a big idea for me of late. So mm. even for us as a community, so Chris just recently talked about reading scripture and how there was this quote from Haddon Robinson, right? About how reading the Bible sometimes is like taking vitamins. I feel like we just took a whole lot of vitamins over the last nine months. And it didn't, it wasn't always clear, maybe week to week, like, okay, what do we do with this? But man, our community, we got depth and we put down roots throughout this series that I think mm-hmm. um, is just going to pay huge dividends. So I'm mm-hmm. excited to see what God does with that. Well, a bit of transition on that. I, I think vitamins are great. I like the idea of protein powder. <laughs> <laughs> because I, because yeah. I think, here's the thing. I like that. You got protein powder coming in, but you can't just eat and drink protein powder. Mm. You got to then go and do weights to build mm. the muscles. Gotta yeah. go do something. You got to exercise yeah. with it. Yeah. And that's what this current series is about. That's real. I mean, that's I mean summer mm-hmm. camp, mm-hmm. you're actually now putting those biblical knowledge to work. Otherwise, people get Okay, another term. You get constipated. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Did I just say that? We are going to end not just this uh, podcast episode, but the whole nine months of Live This Book podcast episodes by talking about constipation. So thank you. There's theological constipation. You learn so much Bible. You learn so much theology. And it just gets stuck. And you don't do anything with it. Yeah. And it just piles up. Mm-hmm. And... and <laughs> So sorry, I apologize. <laughs> but oh. it's true. People yes. experience this. It's you true. got way too much, yep. and you gotta do. You gotta do. Be, be in community. You gotta be in service. You gotta be in in spiritual practices, so that all of the things you learn are being used. Yeah. Otherwise, they, they just they actually yeah. start getting in the way. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know much, where to. I can't. I mean, it's. Uh, I don't want to think about that image, but it's actually helpful. Yeah, so we don't helpful. Want, we don't want to become those those people. Yeah, we got to live it out. We got to do something with this. Um, I don't I don't I don't know. Help help me. I don't know how to to end this. So that, we're definitely that. leaving this though. We're not not cutting it out. This is how, oh. how it goes. So. No, this is fun. This is how this, is this, how is this, this thing ends. How this ends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, it seems fitting. Yeah. So, Charles, thank you again for um, creating this series for us, for helping just to shape it in a way that we can digest it. It's fine. Did you say digest? Did so, so you say many, digest? So many layers. 
Okay. I almost got us out of it. Sorry, Chris. I'm this is you. going off the rails. So you guys, it's been an awesome nine months, not just on Sunday mornings throughout this series, but also, yeah, thanks for checking in and following along on the podcast as well. Um, we don't have an exact plan for what's coming up from here. Um, we'll probably take a break for the summer, um, but look forward to uh, seeing you guys on Sunday mornings or online. Um, so yeah, jump into this series with us, this summer camp series. Uh, And let's take what we've learned over these nine months and just live it out um, and see what God does with that. So Tiff, Charles, thank you so much. All right, you guys, we'll see you next time.